In the name of the one true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. So here's what we do know. Here's what we do know. We do know with pretty good certainty when the events of Easter happened. There's pretty good detail in the Bible about it. In fact, it's specifically tied to the feast of the Passover. So we do have a pretty good handle on when Jesus was crucified and when he was raised from the dead. And this is really important, right? Because as we talk about, it helps us establish the facts of our Christian faith. To help us establish the facts of our faith. To know when the events of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection took place. But here's what we don't know. Hold on to your seats. I hope this isn't too much of a shocker. We don't exactly know when Jesus was born. There's nothing in the Bible that says it happened on December 25th. We do know pretty well what the year was, but we don't know exactly the time of year that it happened. Whether it was spring, summer, fall, or winter, there's just not enough information in the Bible to tell us about it. And although the exact date of Jesus' birth remains a bit of a mystery, it provides a very interesting kind of parallel for us. In a way, it actually sort of parallels the creation of the world. We don't know when the world was made, but we do know that it was made. And we can see the effects of its making in our lives. In the same way, we don't know exactly when Jesus was born, but we do know that in fact He was born. And if we are willing, we can see His effects in our lives too. So, so this is exactly what the Apostle John is hoping that we will see. In a very powerful and provocative literary parallel, there's a tongue twister for you, John draws on the image of light to make an interesting parallel between the first chapter in Genesis and the opening chapter of his gospel, which we just read. It's there to reveal something about God and to show us something about ourselves. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. In these opening words from his gospel, we can't help but to think about the creation narrative, where in the beginning God speaks by his word everything into existence. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness He called night. And there was evening and there was morning. And this was the first day. We can feel the effects of this light in our lives, can't we? The vision that this light provides for us as it lights up the world. The warmth that it offers us as it emanates from its source. But this light has its limitations, doesn't it? After all, it's only a created light. It's just a big ball of fire that sits up there in the sky. So it may provide light and heat for our physical bodies, but what about the light and heat that's required for our soul? 
The created light simply can't do that for us, can it? But John takes advantage of this idea. He uses the image of the light that is above us to talk about this other light, this new light that has come among us. Listen again to how John describes it. He says, this true light, this true light that enlightens every man is coming into the world. In him is life. And the life is the light of men. This light shines into the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. Did you catch the subtle shift here? In Genesis, the created light separates the light from the darkness, but in John's gospel, there is this uncreated light, if you will. This uncreated light that's now coming into the world, and this darkness shall not overcome it. So, here's the point. Something like the light in Genesis, too many think people think about God as this God who simply hovers over us. And all He does is shine this judgmental, heavenly light on our lives. And if our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds, then we're good enough to get into heaven. But here's what John is telling us this morning. He's saying, God is not simply hovering above us, looking down on our lives with some ruthless judgment. No, God is the God who dwells among us. As I said last week, God has a face. God has a name. His name is Jesus, who is the Christ, the very Son of the Father. So listen again to this progression in John's Gospel. This true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son sent from the Father. And from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace, the Bible says. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that there was a moment in time in human history when people looked at God? When people touched God? When people talked to God? When people held God? This is what John is saying. He's saying, I was was one of them. And there are many more of us. We beheld His glory. We saw Him. We looked upon Him. We talked with Him. He tabernacled with us. He lived among us. And this God came into the world for this very reason. Not simply to shine a judgmental light on our sins, but to save us from them. This is why John would later write in his gospel that Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. So have you ever, I was thinking, have you ever thought about why John, why did he write all of this down and put it in a book? Why would he take care to write all of these things down and put them in a book? I think it's simply this. I think he wanted all of his future readers throughout time and space all over the world to consider this one critical question for themselves. Have you seen Jesus? Have you accepted Jesus? Have you allowed the light that gives life into your life? He's the one. He's the one who can save us from darkness. He is the lover of our soul. He's the one who can bring us home into heaven. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? 
Jesus is the only one who can save us from darkness and death. And here's the offer that He makes to you and me and to the whole world. Jesus says this in John's Gospel. He says, I came that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. So what is this abundant life that Jesus offers to us? My friends, it's simply this. It's that our guilt and our shame can be replaced by a firmness of faith. It's that our doubts and our despairs can be traded for this certainty of hope and that the insatiable appetite of our lust can be won over by God's true love in Christ Jesus. And so God is no longer the God who hovers above us, shining down this judgmental spotlight upon us. He's no longer even just the God who has come among us. He actually becomes the God who lives within us. From our reading in Galatians chapter 4 this morning, when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son to be born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent this Spirit of this Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave but a child. And if a child, then also an heir, an heir of God. Isn't that good news? Isn't that incredible news? Think of it. No longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then an heir. And if an heir, then an heir of the Most High God. Doesn't that sound good? No one wants to be a slave in bondage to someone else or addicted to something else. And we all know that certain freedom that comes about with being a child. I wonder how many times we fantasized about that. I know that I have, but I won't ask you to raise your hands. In this difficult and dangerous world that we call adulthood, that maybe we've longed for the days of our childhood. Running through the fields of freedom, enjoying friendship and fellowship without fear. And Jesus is telling us we can have that again, spiritually speaking. That when we accept the free gift of grace in our lives, we no longer have to live in fear of a God who hovers over us. Because God has come among us and He wants to dwell, to tabernacle within us. Setting us free from the slavery of sin and death, making us children of God, and if children, then heirs. My friends, if you never knew it before, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Because when we break through this fear of the God who is above us, and we grab hold of the grace of the God who has come among us, and we feel the warmth of the love of the God who lives within us, then these and other provocative words that Jesus speaks to us start to make more sense to our lives. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Therefore, let your light... Do you see what's happening? We actually become the light with Christ in our lives. Let your light so shine before all people that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So I don't know about you, but I thought it was a little bit providential that we had this reading on this morning that lines up with some other things that we've been talking about. It's almost as if Jesus was saying this to me and to us. Remember that vision that I gave you back in June? That one where you were in Jerusalem and you, Father Chris, were standing on the Mount of Olives? That place where I, Jesus, ascended into heaven and issued the Great Commission to my disciples? 
It's as if he was saying to me that wasn't meant to be just some short-term sales pitch to get us through the second half of 2018. No, it's a statement of identity now and forevermore. Because here's the reason. Too many people in this world live in fear of the God that they think hovers over them. And not enough people have heard about the Jesus who have come to live among them. And God's desire is to be the God who lives within our hearts. So in his Christmas Eve sermon, Father Mark gave us an amazing rundown of 2018. Of all the amazing mission and ministry work that's going on here at Christ the Redeemer, how people are coming into our family, growing up with us in Christ and going out with mission and ministry. So here's what I wonder. What will 2019 look like? How can we let our light become bigger, shine brighter, and grow stronger as we work to become a city on a hill? In this time of New Year's resolutions, let me give you three quick thoughts. Three things that Father Roseberry talked to us about. Three things that we as a Vestrian congregation are embracing. First, worship. Weekly worship is what fuels the spiritual fire in our lives. And as the world sees us make worship a priority in our lives, I guarantee you they're going to look in here and they're going to say, something good is going on at Christ the Redeemer. And I want to be a part of it. Second, life groups. One of the most urgent and desperate things that we're facing in this social media-soaked culture is connection and fellowship. And that's what our life groups are all about. People are starving right now for authentic relationships. And that's what a transparent church can provide them. Life groups are a great way to get connected to Christ the Redeemer and connect others to us. Third and finally, mission and ministry. You see, our whole goal Our whole goal at Christ's Redeemer is to create a culture of excellence. And it begins with how we tend to the ministries and missions within our walls. And my friends, what you do here matters. Our greeters matter. Our ushers matter. Our altar guild matters. Our AV team matters. Our fellowship group matters. Everything you're doing here, Sunday school teachers, nursery workers, it all matters. And it ripples out from here into what we do locally, regionally, and internationally. Let your light so shine before all men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Friends, we know this. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl, but they set it on a stand and it gives light to the whole world. Bigger, brighter, and stronger. God is calling us to be a city on a hill, and as each of us individually shines our light, bigger, brighter, and stronger, together I firmly believe we will be what God is calling us to be, a city on a hill.